Welcome to the show. In this one, I talk to Rick DeVoe. From 1994 to 2018, he promoted and managed bands like Pennywise, Unwritten Law, The Offspring, and Blink-182. The bands weren't the ubiquitous names they are today. They were local bands, punk rockers from California, still trying to make a name for themselves. Until Rick had an idea. What if he got their music into surf videos? They could play at video premieres, events, and competitions. The first time this idea was put into effect was in 1994, with director Taylor Steele's Good Times. Taylor's videos featured guys like Kelly Slater, Shane Dorian, and Rob Machado, and the sound of punk went right along with their styles of surfing. Eventually, with the help of guys like Rob Morrow, the founder of Morrow Snowboards, Rick found that that punk sound fit nicely into the snowboard culture as well. He found that, at the time, there was a common language of anti-establishment and punk rock mentality that ran through surfing, skateboarding, and snowboarding. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at Patreon dot com slash crude magazine that's patreon.com slash crude magazine and pick the subscription tier that works for you i want to thank everyone subscribed at the company man tier these are the people who have subscribed to the crude patreon for 50 dollars or more trina duber seward brewing company the grind coffee shop in juno Derek adolph sharon liska Jake Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Borderline Legacy. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. That's buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Also, you can now get Crude Apparel and merchandise at Tee Public, From t-shirts to hoodies to stickers, baby onesies and more. Just go to the Crude Instagram and click the link in the bio. Okay, back to Rick DeVoe. In the early 90s, he brought punk bands to the King of the Hill competition in Thompson Pass twice. The first time, it was Pennywise and The Offspring. The second time, it was Pennywise again, but this time, with Blink-182. He admits they were all out of their element in the mountains, but when they took the stage, they were right back in their element, rocking a crowd. Before all of that, though, they were on a plane. Rick, the bands, and their entourages. There were about 20 to 25 of them, and they had flown from LAX to Anchorage, then they hopped on a smaller plane that took them to Valdez. This moment, in that small plane, is one that Rick will remember for the rest of his life. How some of the most influential punk rockers of this generation were buzzing along, headed to some of the most iconic mountains in the world. So here he is, Rick DeVoe. 
<laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. I read that you go to bed pretty early. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> you creep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow. Yeah, I do. Actually, I, I, uh, I try to go to bed, especially in the winter. Um, I try to go to bed early and wake up early because that's what I've read. A lot of successful people do. And when did you start doing that? Since I was like 10. So you read about successful (laughs) people doing this when you were 10. (laughs) No, you know, it's been a joke. My whole life, I, I, I fall asleep during conversations. I, I <laughs> can't drive home. Like, you know, living in uh, San Diego and working in the music business and, ha- and being a, always falling asleep early is like the worst combination for a career. Like, it's horrible. I mean, I, I, I have always fallen asleep early my whole life and everyone makes fun of me, but I'm an early bird because I'm a surfer and I'm always, I'm always getting up wondering like, is it offshore? I want to get out before all the clowns get out like that thing. So I think it stems from that and, you know, going tuna fishing a lot and always just up and, you know, early bird gets the worm. Tell me about tuna fishing. Oh gosh. It's so much fun and you get exhausted and costs a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and are you going out there and just personally fishing or this isn't commercial is it you know my boys and i are now officially commercial fishermen and i just got my commercial license last summer and i sold my first fish it was a 101 pound bluefin tuna huh. that uh i caught um on dave downing uh, snowboarder. Yeah. This is a snowboard podcast. Uh, Dave Downing. Um, he's very. We're very close with him and his wife Shannon Dunn Downing, and uh, they're our neighbors. And Dave is salty D. In the in the winter, he's frosty D, and in the summer, he's salty D. And uh, but I went fishing with them, and we sold our catch in Avalon in Catalina, and it was fun. And my boys and I took it a step further and we got our our little 22 Anderson, which we bought off Dan Egan, who I'm mm-hmm. going to talk about later here in this podcast. Um, we, we're now commercial swordfish fishermen. And uh, my boys have actually landed three uh, in November, in December of 22. We just got into it. And that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, you know, this might be a stupid question, but what's it like pulling in a swordfish? Well, I've never done it. Okay. But what it is, is basically we have a buoy gear permit and we're part of this like experimental permit and we're only like one of 32 boats on the entire West Coast of California that has this permit. We're allowed to set 10 buoys and... The lines go down a thousand feet with a giant squid and a flashing light huh. and a big giant weight. And we set these buoys and we watch them. And then when one then when one of the flags get limp, we roll up to it, we hook it up to our like our winch and we pull up 
the swordfish, or they pull up the swordfish. I haven't actually been on a trip yet where we've gotten one, but they've done it, my son, Ryder and Fisher. Um, but, yeah, and you pull them up, and they can range from 200 to five, 600 pounds. That is wild. You know, because I grew up fishing with my dad, who you know, Scott Liska, yes. out of Seward. You know, we actually fished out of uh, Homer for a little bit as well. But, um, you know, I've always seen videos of, like, people pulling in swordfish, and it just looks like the gnarliest thing ever. Yeah, so it, there's two ways to do it. I'm glad there's three ways to do it. The The super cool radical way is the harpoon. And on our boat, we built a plank, and we have a harpoon, and you creep up on the swordfish when they're surfacing, and you, you stick them. Um, our boat is so loud <laughs> that we keep spooking the swordfish every time. So we haven't <laughs> stuck one yet, but we've spent like a lot of money trying to. Um, so we need to get a bigger boat. <laughs> and that's actually why I'm actually going to Juneau, Alaska in four weeks. Okay. Um, I'm actually coming up there um, because I'm going to buy a Delta just like your dad's. Yeah. Or your, like your dad's X3 Deltas that he's had. What maybe led you to buy a Delta? Is it just because it's a it's an ocean boat or what? Yeah, it's, you know, your dad has them and he's such a legend. And so whatever he does, I want to do. <laughs> um, no, they're they're just badass boats and they're 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 kind of uh, culty. Uh, they were made in Seattle and most commercial fishing guys buy them and um, redo them. And, you know, there's a lot of people are buying them from California and bringing them down here and redoing them because their hulls are so thick. Like I think in this, you know, they're like 76, 77, 1976. And, and I think they made all the hull of, hulls of these deltas um, before they really understood the strength of fiberglass. So they made them so thick you can like literally run over icebergs and, and, uh, so we've been looking for years and years. And so I finally got one, my nibs on one. So <laughs> heading up there, <laughs> I told your dad all about it. He was psyched. I yeah, showed the picture. I bet. Okay. So the other day you and I were talking and you said you were going to grab some photos of your trip to Alaska to jog your memory. Were you able yes. to find those photos? Yes, that was a freaking I did that today, Cody. Yeah. I did that was not easy. Let me tell you something. <laughs> that took me like two hours and boxes fell on my head and I had so much history and I actually was going through these pictures and I was texting them to Jim Lindbergh, the singer of Pennywise, and he was like he he was texting me back. He's in he's on tour right now with, with Pennywise and Dropkick Murphy's. Um, he, he go, I was sending him pictures and here's one ex, uh, regarding the King of the Hill trip. He's like, ha, huh, that whole thing was so sketch. <laughs> <laughs> we, we took a cat up the mountain during a ride out and nearly went down into a crevasse and nearly died. <laughs> oh, he probably like, means a whiteout. Like oh, it was whiteout. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whiteout. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. It was auto correct here. Um, but it, it, it was funny. And then he was like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen pictures from that trip. Jesus, wheels <laughs> off. Like, I was sending him all these pictures. And it, it was like a blast from the past because I didn't tell Jim that I was doing this until I texted him. 
And then uh, I texted you some of the pictures that I found. Um, I must have looked at 10,000 pictures today and found 30. <laughs> it's like, not to mention, I think I now have a a mold issue, which I just discovered in my closet that I didn't know. And I think now it's permanently in my lungs, thanks to you guys. <laughs> As I inhaled it, yeah. it, it was stuffed in a closet that hasn't been open for a long time. So what was it like to... I don't know, revisit some of those memories. Yeah, I mean, I've got them here. I brought them in. Um, first of all, I want to know why Why did anyone tell me that I literally look like I was the fourth Beastie Boy? Like, <laughs> what the hell was I? I, I literally look like a rapper. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the hell I'm wearing. I guess in 19, when, when was this? The King of the Hill. Let's see. I have the oh ninety six. Here it is. Okay. Um. Okay. I'm holding the third annual. It's in oh and Cody. It's in mint condition. By the way. Yeah. This. It's the brochure that your dad must have made for the event. Event headquarters. Um. Could you describe it? Yeah. Layout. Designed by Jason Sealander in Oregon. Okay, this was done in Portland. Um, I sent you. Did you see the picture I sent you? I did. Yeah, it says third annual right in the top yeah, left corner. That's the cover. But when you open it up, um, they went. <laughs> whoever was doing the art or the idea for the King of the Hill um, was on like a serious. Um, gosh, there's a restaurant down here in Orange County where like it's like the Knights fight everybody and <laughs> the, someone was on some heavy trip because the entire <laughs> brochure is like done in medieval times. <laughs> I mean, the entire thing, like it, it looks like dogs attacking reindeer and swords and and rabbits and, and it's all in a weird font. In, um, so it's got kind of a King Arthur vibe to it. Yes, King Hill. There's a picture of a someone getting crowned a king and bishops and someone in a holding a sword. I, I mean, they went deep on this thing. Um, and I'm looking at all the sponsors and, um, you know, the king and the queen, 1994 royalty, King Sir Matt Goodwill of Morrow, yeah. and Queen Lady Julie Zell of Nye, of Nide. Nidecker? Nidecker. Sorry. Yeah. And and oh, and here's 95 royalty. This is it was King. Oh yeah, I guess they kinged everybody. Sir Steve Classen of Rosignol. Yeah, Clausen. Clausen. Yeah. And Queen Lady Julie Zell of Nidecker. All right. Yeah. So I guess she was like the reigning queen for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, her and Matt Goodwill and Steve Clausen just kind of kind of all battled out for a while. You know, I was too young to, to be there, yeah. but I was, I guess like cognizant enough to be able to drive around Anchorage and collect all of the, you know, the <laughs> King and Queen costumes oh, and no the crowns and the alcohol and all yeah. of that with my dad and just like, you know, pile it into the back of his truck. And then, uh, you know, him and, Everybody else would head out to Valdez and, you know, I'd stay 
back Jeez. in Anchorage and probably go to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where, where you should be. You, you don't want to be part of that debauchery out there. That was a lot. Man, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even understand. Yeah, what an event. What a random event. And I am going to say this is, I do a lot of, not a lot, but I've been in, featured on a lot of podcasts that have to do with surfing and punk rock. Uh-huh. This is my first snowboard one, but I'm really stoked because I, you know, I started snowboarding um, here in Southern California when they didn't even allow it at our local mountains, like Mountain High and Big Bear, hmm. California. And so we would get those Jake Burton boards that were like pointy and wood. And yeah. we'd have, I managed a surf shop in Woodland Hills where I grew up. Um, it's, it's, it's in the valley. There was a famous surf, uh, snowboard shop there called Green Sector, if I recall. And, uh, gosh, what was the, what are all those? There's so many the snowboarders at that time. It was like Brushy, mm-hmm. um, Palmer. Palmer was like our local, Sean Palmer. He was like our local legend, kind of crazy guy. And I'll, I didn't really know these guys, um, but I was a snowboarder, you know, and I loved it. I, I mean, I'm a surfer, 100% surfer. Yeah. And I got into snowboarding because first I was skiing and, and, but the skis were so thin and, and then snowboarding was so cool mm-hmm. and we would drive up there and you weren't allowed on the resorts. You, you weren't allowed. And so we would just do road runs and dude, that was the hardest thing ever. Like I almost quit a hundred times. It was like trying to walk <laughs> up. It, oh, and by the way, you know, we were wearing Sorrells, which I don't even know. You know what those are? They're like, Oh yeah. I know what Sorrells are. Yeah. They're like just boots with fur on them like like, <laughs> like zero protection of waterproofing and and we'd go no support hide. no in your toes would like be completely frozen like like in 30 minutes but yeah we would drive up there and just pull over and be like all oh, right that one looks pretty sick and we would drive up there listen to nirvana <laughs> you know yeah and we would hike as high hard as i can but you know we live sort of close to sea level so it was like hiking up those mountains, man, I can only go up like a couple hundred feet at the best. I'd strap in and it was so hard to hike up there because you're walking like three feet of snow, like, because on the side of the mountains, it's not groomed or packed. And it was really difficult. It was always in the shade and you'd strap on and just go and just eat freaking shit every (laughs) time. Every time, like if you got 20 feet, like you killed it. Like if you did a yeah. little little blow tail or something, you killed it. But then it was just straight nose dive, cartwheel, freaking every time. And we'd go for like an hour, like, yeah, let's go back home. <laughs> like After we just drove three hours to get here. But, you know, fortunately things changed and the mountains uh, realized that snowboarding was this new crazy money, money, money thing. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, they all opened up. And I know there's, I think, a couple mountains that were staying true, like maybe in Tahoe or something. But um, but then, yeah, then I got into it, just started promoting shows around them, around snow. So growing up as a surfer, what did you think of maybe snowboarders and professional snowboarders? Well, where I grew up, you were, we made it a, like, we would wake up, go surfing, 
come back, go snowboarding. Or maybe it was we went snowboarding first, and then we get back and go surfing and then skate that night. Like, we were able to do the trifecta. Yeah. And that's very special because, you know, a lot of snowboarders couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the pros, I, I like, you know, like, I didn't really know a whole lot, like – I mean, I just knew like those guys I told you about, you know, Jeff Brushy. He was like at the time, like the Kelly Slater, mm-hmm. I guess, or and Sean Palmer was, you know, kind of like the Bruce Irons or Dane Reynolds of surfing. I don't know. But, the, you know, I, I didn't really I wasn't following him the way I follow pro surfers. So but all I know is, is all of our friends, all the surfers were snow they they also picked up snowboarding because it okay. was kind of the natural thing and we all went to mountain high and big bear and that was kind of like our deal and yeah. they even had contests my friend vipe desai ran a really great event called the h2o winter classic and it was a surf and snowboard contest and it was so cool it was held at snow summit in big bear and it was it was great because the, the overall winner was the best all around, you know, and mm-hmm. and that was such a great event, and usually had a pretty solid uh, showing of professional surfers and you know crossover guys like Todd Richards. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd's a really good friend of mine, and uh, I think he did really well in that event, if I recall. But yeah, it was really cool. It, it was it was it was fun. Being a snowboarder in Southern California, it was, I felt like we were our own breed kind of in a weird way because we weren't mountain people. Um, at least that's how it was, how I saw it. Yeah. And what brought you to Alaska? Yeah, Alaska. I, I remember, all right, so this had to have been in like March, February, March of 94, 95. I can't remember, honestly, what years it was, but Dan Egan, AKA Ig, Mm -hmm. um, he was a surfboard shop owner and shaper in uh, Agora, California, which is just inland of Malibu. So all the little towns that we lived in, all of them had surf shops and fed out to Malibu to all the Malibu beaches. And so Ig was one of those guys that crossed over and got heavily into snowboarding. He was also one of the original guys that brought Volcom mm-hmm. uh, to all of us in Malibu. And so, you know, Volcom at that time was heavy into snow, heavy. And the, their guy, Richard Wolcott and Troy Eckert, were like the guys that would do those H2O Winter Classics and win because they were like the best at surfing and snowboarding. They got, they all got into going out of Southern California. And Ig, I, he was into riding um, Alaska. Like he got into riding those giant, freaking giant ones, those big mountains. <laughs> yeah. And he called me up and at the time, I was really, oh, see, with that time, I, I was really heavily promoting. My, my promoting career took off. Um, I was doing a lot of surf movie premieres 
with punk rock bands that had yet to get really famous. Mm-hmm. They were they were starting to, but they were they were kind of they weren't there yet big time. And I had these bands that I was promoting. Uh, I had The Offspring, and I had Pennywise. I had No Doubt. I had No Effects. Um, I started managing a band called Blink and Unwritten Law. Mm-hmm. And these bands, uh, a lot. Taylor Steele, he's a famous surf movie maker. He was putting the, sur- the epitaph bands... Um, if you notice, if you look back at old pictures, and Epitaph was a sponsor. They're a punk rock record label out of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. They were a sponsor of the uh, of the King of the Hill, like had a banner and everything. Taylor Steele was putting these bands in his surf movies, like showcasing Ke- Kelly Slater and Rob Machado, and it crossed over into snowboarding. That literally the same formulas, and I'm pretty convinced that Taylor started it. And I'm pretty convinced surfing started it mm-hmm. by putting these new school punk bands into the movie because the surfers that were crossed over to snow, the Volc- the Volcoms and stuff, were making movies for Volcom and using the same bands that Taylor was doing for the snowboard v- movies. Mm-hmm. And a kid growing up in Mount Bachelor. Or a kid growing up, you know, the Mount Hood area or, you know, wherever, um, Mammoth, they, they grew up there and they like, they started watching these movies, they'd hear these bands play. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty convinced a, a guy like Rob Morrow and Sean Peterson, who I haven't yeah. seen in a long time, um, I'm pretty convinced they too were turned on by these punk rock bands um, because of the crossover. I, I think this is what I, I believe. Um, so Dan Egan called me up, who is a surfer, snowboarder, and he's like, hey, Rick, I got this opportunity in Alaska for this event called the King of the Hill, and they need help. They want to book. They want to bring some bands up, and you're the guy that I know that knows these bands, and they want Pennywise and the Offspring. And I was like... Oh, he goes, dude, if you can get them up there, we'll pay for the trip. We'll hook everyone up with snowboards, put them in hotels. And I don't even remember if we got paid, to be honest with you. (laughs) I I, I was just like, wait, free snowboards? Like what? Yeah. And so I took it to the bands and they were like, fuck yeah, let's go. Let's do this. And, And this was... This, you know, this, I think the offspring just had that song, uh, Keep Them Separated or Come Out and Play. Mm -hmm. Like, that was their big hit. I think they were right on the cusp of that. So they were still small enough to go and do cool shit like this Mm -hmm. before they blew up, right? Yeah. Um, So I, I convinced them. And I, I called Egg back. I go, dude, I got them. They're all in. Let's go. And so, Next thing I know, I get, re, you know, Sean Peterson and Rob Morrow call me. And all of a sudden now I'm like, wow, I'm talking to these like big time snowboard guys. And we, we created a very great relationship that went on for years. Every show I did for like five years, I had Morrow sponsor it, even if it was in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can't even tell you how many shows I promoted. They were called Big Dummy Jams. And... 
everyone called me big dummy because I'm tall and kind of weird and <laughs> lanky kind of dumb. But um, so they were called the big dummy jams. And so every time I put one, I always had Moro sponsor it. Yeah. <laughs> and they loved it. And we just got this great relationship. And so I I got the information. We got plane tickets and we all met up in LAX and freaking here comes like 15 two punk bands their entourages myself i mean there's probably like 20 25 of us that flew to anchorage Mm -hmm. got on a commuter plane which i'm looking at it right now there's fletcher from pennywise sleeping with his mouth open (laughs) um it was just like a little tiny airplane filled with some of the most influential punk rockers of this generation yeah and we flew to Valdez and we land and are just greeted by like these snowboarders with giant pants and like Joker beanies and (laughs) 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 you know, the nineties, you know, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was also a fashion statement. Mambo socks. Oh gosh, dude. Um, yeah. So that was kind of, that's how I got it was Dan Egan from Egg Surf Shop and he introduced me to everybody and uh we get up to Valdez and everyone's just standing around trying to look all the punkers are standing around trying to look cool like yeah it's like freezing cold but they're like yeah dude I'm wearing like my t-shirt and you know like everyone's it's just funny it's just funny and then everyone realized like oh shit we gotta get warm and Rob out out gave us outfits like we had jackets like boxes. He took care of us so hard. Him and Sean Peterson. Yeah, and and it was just it was so cool, you know. And everyone was so excited. And but then we realized, you know, we all like snowboarding. I was probably of all of those bands, I was probably really the only one that really snowboarded. Um, at that time. Because I don't think the singer Brian Hall and Noodles was that much of a snowboarder. Because I'm looking at a picture of him; he's wider than Casper the Ghost. <laughs> he, he's. I'm looking at a photo of him right now. We're in the hall in the Valdez Hall. His face. He looks like. Remember that movie Powder? Oh yeah. <laughs> he looks like Powder with dreadlocks. <laughs> he had like his hair was. I love Brian. He's one of my favorite bands. Uh, I mean, the offspring. But w- you know, like when you go to Extapa, Mexico, and you, you go there and you, you take your little girl to get their hair braided? <laughs> like, that's what he <laughs> looks like right here. And I'm holding him. I've got my arm around him. And we're all standing there talking to all these snowboarders in ch- literally in double XL size hoodies. Um, I literally look like I have special needs. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It caught me. Yeah. Um, there's Moro. There's the Epitaph banners. Um, it, it, it was it was just surreal, you know? And yeah. we were all so excited. They had boards waiting for us, boots binding. So we get there the first night. Everyone's partying. And and then, uh, you know, then it's all about the next day. We want to go snowboarding, but there's no lifts. Like, wait, what do you do? Wait, we're at sea level? Wait. The mountains, fifty five hundred feet up to sea, and we're gonna ride to down to the parking lot at sea level. Wait, you know, hold on a second. 
So I'm looking at a photo. I, I think I texted you one of all of us staring at a helicopter. Yeah. Now, funny thing, your dad and I talked about that helicopter. That helicopter crashed. That's the bubble helicopter, right? Uh-huh. Okay. But not with us in it. It crashed, I believe, a week later or a couple days after, a couple days later. Yeah. I mean, the helicopter crashed out. We went up snowboarding on. Mm-hmm. No one died. Um, I think there was some controversy with that. Your dad was telling me. I, I was hanging out with your dad about three weeks ago in Mexico at my house in Solidita. And we were talking about this helicopter. And lo and behold, I have a picture of it. And yeah. So thank God none of the punk bands were in it when it crashed. Um, but yeah, there you have... There's like 20 of us standing around this helicopter. It only seats like two or four. Yeah. <laughs> and basically they were carting us up to a, a run that I want to say maybe is called Nick's Run or I, I, I don't know all the names of uh, the runs up there. And they would just fly us up there and it was so loud and we'd get out of the heli and we have brand new boards, and literally, I'm riding a park board in like four feet of powder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Just sinking. Oh, dude. My back calf, I think, is still freaking like <laughs> special because of the burn I had of trying to keep my tip up. Yeah. In that. But we get dropped off, and then it was so loud, then the heli just flies away. And it's just like, And is this the first time that you guys have all been at the top of a mountain yes. heli skiing? And we're waiting. So here's the other thing that was funny was we didn't we all had to come we all wanted to go down as a group. Mm -hmm. So the helicopter can only fit so many people. So we would just like wait for this helicopter to go down, pick people up and bring it back up and it was like maybe 3 or 4 trips. And uh, which was trippy and I remember looking up there I remember going, "Whoa, look at all those like little black dots what are those and he's like those are cars and i'm like <laughs> and then you could see the entire bay of valdez and and you know this thing looked like we snowboarded big bear dude like mm -hmm. <laughs> like it, it was an entire mountain big bear i think is eight thousand and some change right and you yeah you snowboard like i want to believe just like a thousand feet of elevation so imagine being like at the top of big bear and then going down two thirds of the mountain, you know, like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if that makes any sense, but and so when we were all together, we all were like, all right, let's go. And we're going down. We're just going down. It's just me and the bands. Like I, I maybe Sean Peterson did a run with us. I, I want to say he did, but you know, we're just going down and it took forever to go down, but you know, it was snow. Like I have never been in my life i mean it truly is you know the holy grail for snow i mean it was untracked untouched like we were yeah. going down these things as surfers i'm like this is like surfing waimea or something like just these giant bowls and shoots and stuff you know and and we're just all going down and falling and going down and you know so we did that a few times because they give you like a like a token yeah. And it was like, it was worth like 25 bucks. That's what it cost to take the heli up. It was 25 bucks. <laughs> so much cheaper than it is now. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, they gave each one of us like three. So we, it was like good for like, you know, a few runs. But that's all you needed. I mean, because it was so extreme. But later on that night, we're hanging out and we're getting excited because it's the night before the show and we're all hanging out and and we're all, you know, I think, and I and this is where I remember hanging out with your dad and I want to say it was Nick Parada wait, or Sean Farmer. I want to say it was Sean Farmer. I mean, who was the other? Nick Peralta? Nick Parada. A Parada. Nick Parada. Yeah. That's right. Um, this is when I met your dad because he was the, he was like the guy for King of the Hill. So I was talking to him and we're all sitting around drinking beers and, and he's like, yeah, someone, uh, I think someone died mm. that on that trip or, or like it was close by and we're like, what? And, and Sean Farmer was like, yeah, you gotta be careful. I, I fe- we, f- I fell in a crevasse today and, and he was explaining it to us and he was, he's like, yeah, you know, like luckily I had a peep on and they called him peeps. I, I don't know if they still call him that. Yeah. Beacons. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were up on the mountain your very first time ever hella skiing, ever being in Thompson Pass, and you didn't have a beacon. No. <laughs> budget. There wasn't enough in the budget. Yeah. They're like, the, the, the competitors, yeah, they all had beacons, but the punkers, yeah. <laughs> you guys are disposable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fletcher falls in a hole. from Pennywise he looks like a Yeti he he would he'd just freeze um but we were just like oh (laughs) oh it's dangerous oh you can fall in crevasses I didn't even know what those were wow that's funny that's cute um so yeah that was epic and then the next day um oh you know what I'm sorry I'm getting the trips confused I I went two years in a row um but I I think on the Pennywise offspring trip we just did heli runs, and we did road runs. I learned what a road run was, which was you hitchhike. <laughs> I'm like here in Alaska. Mm-hmm. I have no. I'm I'm from I'm from Mission Beach. You know, I, mean, I live down in San Diego. I'm up there with some kid I met <laughs> at the event. I don't even know who he was. He, I think he like lived in Alaska or lived up there. And we hitchhiked, and he's like, "Yeah, just you just we just hitchhike, we we get driven all the way to the top of this windy road, and then you just jump out, and you snowboard down the mountain and go over the road because mm-hmm. it had snow on it, and it was so fun. You get to the bottom, you just hitchhike again, and did it again, and did it again, and those were called road runs. And I actually had a lot of fun doing that. That was really cool. Yeah. Um. The second year, I went back up with Blink-182 and Pennywise, and we actually did the hel- the airplane where it landed, it had skis on it, and then just would fly away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was very unique. Uh, Rob and Sean really put us in these amazing situations. Thank God no one got hurt. In the second year, someone died again. Mm. It was it was actually pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um, they had avalanche issues and, you know, it was a pretty raw event from an outside, you know, from someone who's been to like snowboard events and snow summit. We're all like, you know, no one's getting hurt except if you eat shit or something on a rail or, or in the pipe. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, but it was different and we were out of our element. 
But where we came into our element was when it was time to take stage. And that's that as the snow for all the snowboarders up there and Valdez and all the guys, all the Alaska boys that flew in and drove in once, once, you know, Pennywise and Ostring start playing. I mean, you just had this amazing punk rock show in Valdez, Alaska, which probably, I don't even know if that's ever even happened again. Um, I know they did shows in, you know, I went ahead years later and, and I, I was promoting shows in Anchorage because I loved Alaska so much. It was like the last frontier and I was bringing my bands and playing Anchorage. Mm -hmm. we, there was a venue there called the Egan Center that yeah. we would play. And um, so I, I actually really did a lot with it, with what um, your dad and Rob and Sean set up for me as a promoter and as a manager of my bands. Uh, I took it and I, I, I took the ball and ran with it. And it was a great relationship for many, many years. I, I lost, you know, track of your dad, but he, the name Liska is so legendary. You know, I, I stayed friends with Rob and Sean for quite a while after that, as I told you, all my, all my shows, mm -hmm. um, I had Moro sponsor it and stuff, but, um, it was just, it was awesome, dude. Uh, the, the award ceremony at the King of the Hill, I will say, <laughs> was different. Um, sometimes it looked like it was like a clan rally. <laughs> like, in, what, in what way? The way they dressed up, dude. They had like, it was so mysterious and they had like, you couldn't see their faces and they looked like they were like poobahs and pointy hats. And we would just joke sometimes like, we were like, Dude, this is like some medieval clan rally up here. What the hell's going on up here? <laughs> like, because you, you and the the bands, you Offspring, yeah. Pennywise, you guys as crew, yeah, all of this is still like really foreign to you. Totally foreign. Totally foreign. I mean, not snowboarding, but this kind of snowboarding. Yeah. Um, the big hill, the big those you know those those riders are different than than all my friends snowboarding like you know we would surf i mean snowboard to kind of you know mimic surfing mm -hmm. these guys like your dad and in your uncle uh jay you know they're they're dropping down these shoots that are <laughs> i mean you know when we were flying over them in the heli we we're like yeah danny was like yeah we went down that shoot and we did that run yesterday i mean dude it was vertical like for a long part of that stretch of that thing. Like, do you think it, it, it's comparable to the big wave surfers who surf like pipeline? Well, pipeline, it pipeline obviously gets big and it's scary. Yeah. But I would kind of more make it comparable to the guys that are like out there surfing, like, you know, the Cortez bank. Okay. Uh, that's, it's just a hundred miles off of, California. It's just a reef. And they just surfed it literally on this last swell. We had that 50 year swell. Um, you know, the guys are surfing Mavericks in Waimea and, you know, those kind of things. That's kind of like what I would, I guess I would compare it to because it's kind of like the big mountain riding of snowboarding, right? Like, and those, those are all huge waves that you just mentioned. Yes. Those in the ways I mentioned, those are like, you know, there's a different breed of surfer that does those. The guys that are doing those contests are not on the world tour. Does that make sense? Like they're yeah. not competing with, 
John John Florence and you know um, Griffin Colapinto and stuff. They're they're different names. They're different guys. Their boards are totally different. They're they're chasing huge storms and wearing you know blow up vests. And my son's a big wave surfer and he dabbles in it. And he was just surfing this. He was out the other day and it was. It, on the buoys, it was 45 to 50 feet, and him and his friend both took a what they said was a 45 to 50 footer on the head, broke five feet in Jeez. front of them. They're pulling their vests, mm-hmm. getting hit by the turbulences. He's like, I, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And my and his other buddy Brandon Waller's like, he said he almost blacked out. Like he, they were mm-hmm. so scared. So when when I see these guys like your uncle and and all these guys like riding mountains that have crevasses and and in the vert on them and their boards are so much bigger and everything's so much bigger yeah it's comparable it's kind of the same those guys could talk to sit at a table and sit there and be like yeah i know what you mean i kind of understand you know what i mean yeah um but from socal we're like the short borders you know we're like let's go to trestles let's surf you know (laughs) malibu like that's that's different it's we ride small boards. We do, and that's kind of like in snowboarding. It's like go to Big Bear and ride the park. Yeah, it's like freestyle versus big mountain. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So, um, it was just so cool, man. I I'm looking back. I also came across so many other pictures of my career in music and all the skateboard movie premieres and surf movie premieres and snow movie premieres. Like, it's just. Action sports in the '90s, there was no. It, it was the it was the best time in that era, hands down. You know, I wonder what you thought, if anything, about the scene being created up in Alaska by my dad, my uncle Jay, yeah. and everybody else who was involved in it. I guess you know what would become the borderline scene. You know, I had a lot of respect for those guys because I saw we were all bonded by two things by obviously snowboarding, but punk rock. And we just, we lived and died to listen to bad religion Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, social distortion. And those were like, those bands brought us all together. And although these kids, I mean, I met them, I remember meeting them, you know, at the time I was like 24, 23, 24. So, I mean, I was still pretty young. I'm 54 now. Um, you know, we we had a connection. You know, they were just surfers to me, mm-hmm. but in a different kind because, and we, I remember, like I said, I met that kid and we just, I, re, I don't remember his name or anything, but we were just so stoked to share stories about him snowboarding in Alaska and, and me being, you know, as a surfer. But I recognize, you know, like we all sort of dress the same and we talked well, there's a little bit more of a maybe a redneck vibe going on at that time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe their their sideburns were a little thicker than ours and a little more <laughs> pork chopped out than ours and stuff. But but you know, we 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 did have that common you know bond, which was you know punk rock music, mm-hmm. um, and our love for riding a snowboard. And so yeah, so the borderline scene that you guys all came up in and stuff i want to say like your your dad and you know he did such a great job um kind of you know 
turning that into a, a scene for kids to like go and do cool stuff and stay out of trouble. Although you Alaskans, I know, get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> your, your dad told me so many <laughs> stories. Um, you know, we just can't drive around, Cody, in the back of a truck shooting shotguns out the back of our truck. <laughs> like, we're not allowed to do that in San, in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I think you might get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So, you know, it was probably a little more loose. You guys had a little more loose and um, than we did, but we, we all kind of we had that respect for each other through music and in our love for just riding, you know, riding, riding snowboards. Yeah. Isn't there a story about how Fletcher from Pennywise dressed up and then kicked open the door to Blink's hotel room? Yes. And I actually just came clean about that to your dad. (laughs) (laughs) So he, okay. So this was year two. I got invited back, very honored, and I started managing Blink. I don't, I don't, can't remember if we were Blink 182 yet. Um, it was very early on in their career, um, but Rob Morrow just loved Blink, and he loved what I was doing. And I kind of wasn't going to take no for an answer because I was their manager, and I'm like, dude, I am. Wherever Pennywise is going, Blink's going. Mm-hmm. So we fly up there, and and. Um, well, hold on, let me rewind. I, I was having sitting down, having a margarita with your dad, and he was like, yeah, you know, that whole thing just, you know, kind of went upside down on me financially. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, really? Why would happen? He's like, oh, you know, just a bunch of debauchery and, you know, a bunch of snowboarders, like, blew up fire extinguishers and kicked doors <laughs> down and broke windows and all this <laughs> shit. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going... <laughs> Ooh, and I'm like, I got to come clean. He's like, what? And I'm like, that was Pennywise. And he's like, what? And I go, all right, here's what happened. (laughs) So the show was over. Everyone was partying, and we all go back to our hotel. Um, I was with my wife on that trip. She actually came on that trip. And we were in the room downstairs. We, it was like we were staying at some hotel. I see the picture of it, but I don't know what it was called. Some weird motel that was about two or three stories high. Um, I'm sitting there. I'm kind of like, we're, we're trying to go to bed. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And um, I just hear all this screaming directly above my room. <laughs> I mean, and it was blink. So I had, it was... Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLong, and Scott Rayner. Travis Barker wasn't even in Blink at the time. And I just hear all this screaming. I'm like, what is going It's slamming and bang. You know, at 1 o'clock in the morning in Valdez, Alaska, it's like dead silent. You, yeah. you can hear a pin drop. And it was really loud. And I run upstairs, and I look down the hallway, and I'm just like, what the fuck am i looking at right now like i'm like what am i even looking at fletcher's six eight and he's a big scary dude on the his whole entire back says fuck off it's a <laughs> tattoo right he had, he has 35 self-inflicted cut wounds on his arm and it's not from suicide or anything like that. it's because he likes pain i look down the hallway and He's dressed up, from my recollection, 
as like the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz, wrapped in tin foil, <laughs> walking down the hallway, like, and and he had a pointy hat on, like a wizard hat, and he had these super long fingers that were <laughs> made out of tin foil, <laughs> and he had like all the cronies with him. Fletcher always had his cronies, even in Valdez, and he had this. They were kicking down the door, a blink, and I'm like, dude, dude, don't mess with blink. Come on, dude, don't. They're just like, get out of my way, or we're gonna freaking get you. <laughs> they had a surfboard leash, so Fletcher, by trade, his dad was an electrician, and he learned being an electrician. He rigged up hot wires into the velcro part of the leash and ran the wires up and it on the other end was a 110 plug it was called electroshock treatment he had two spray bottles on the sides of his like holsters like guns like just clear spray bottles you'd buy like at home depot or something like you'd mix bleach in they were mixed with water and tabasco sauce and the the guy next to them busted into the hotel fire extinguisher and pulled the fire extinguisher out. And I was like, dude, please don't, please don't. And they were going to try to get me. And I ran away and I ran downstairs. I locked the door, barricaded my door. I go, I told my wife, Julie, I'm like, it's going to get so bad all of a sudden. Like just, she's like, oh, should we be scared? I'm like, I don't think you're going to mess with us. Cause you're here, but blink are done. They're gone. And she's like, are you serious? And I'm like, Let's let's just uh, wait and see. So, all of a sudden, rewind here. I just start hearing all this, you know, more noise. Now it's getting intensified. It, it it's more than it was at the beginning when I ran up there, mm -hmm. and bam, you hear the door break open, and you hear screaming. And Blink were not the most masculine guys, fellas. Tom, <laughs> you like. Ah! You know, like he was screaming. I could hear him crystal clear. And they're like, no, Fletcher, no. Like, and and I hear a door slam. Tom, I later on I found out Tom barricaded himself in the in the bathroom. I'm looking out the window. All of their luggage is flying past my hotel room and into the snow down below. All their suitcases, their snowboards, everything they had in that room, they they took it, opened the window, and threw everything out of the room into the snow down below. Scott Rayner was drunk and kind of fell asleep, so he was the first victim. Mark, <laughs> Mark ran through the gauntlet, got Tabasco in his eyes. They they sprayed him with fire extinguisher in his face, but he busted through because he's kind of big, yeah. and he busted through. Um, Scott Rayner, who he was, he was balled up in a comforter and dude, they tortured him. How? They kept shocking him. They would plug the shock in with the leash. They attached it to him, sprayed his eyes, blew him up with fire extinguisher and kept shocking him. So gnarly. And he was squealing, crying, like, stop. And they were all jumping on him. They were wasted, pouring beer on him. Like, Jeez. it was it was gnarly. Yeah. So then Tom finally goes, fuck it. And he opens the door, runs out. They catch him. They 
they torture him, but he didn't get as bad as Scott. Scott literally got annihilated. Oh my gosh! The sheriffs come. The sheriff. Oh yeah, the the cops come. The hotel person. Fletcher's a master at at coming up with excuses. He he somehow talked his way. Say they got attacked by groupies. Um, he lied and got his way out of it and, and all that stuff. So. I want to say there was even some poo-poo involved. Oh, my gosh. I think there was. But he loved he, – he loved – if he if Fletcher would call out poo-poo party, you run for the hills, dude. Oh, my – like just full-on rock star. Yeah, he would just crap in his hand and – Like a monkey. Yeah, he was so gnarly, dude. <laughs> he, you know, I love being around Pennywise, but that was always the give and take. Like he would – you know, he just would do stuff to you. Like I remember one year I was promoting Pennywise – in Blink Up and Big Bear at the convention center. And I was staying with Pennywise's booking agent at our ha- at our cabin. is my wife, future wife's parents' cabin. And at 2.30 in the morning, Fletcher, he had a cabin too. He had his Bronco. He came up and pushed my Isuzu Trooper down the hill while it was in park. Huh. And smashing into my car like 2.30 in the morning, like, you know, he just does crazy, crazy stuff. I and mean, I toured all over the world with this guy. He'd break into your room and shoot you with, with a BB gun, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, or, or just, you know, just like, dude, like, I remember, I, actually, I remember one thing in the Valdez airport. <clears throat> I was sitting by the carousel and he pushed me so hard. I fell into the carousel, and went through the flaps and popped out on the <laughs> other side. <laughs> And I, sh- I, I remember I bruised my knee so bad because I fell. You know, those like have a little sharp corner. I, I hit yeah. that and fell into it. And then I ended up, the workers like, what the hell are you doing back here? And I was like, <laughs> dude, you know, so that's kind of, I came clean with your dad that that was actually Pennywise who caused all that damage. And I apologize to him. What did he say? You fuckers. <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah. like him. You know, like, ah, this cost me so much. And, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do those guys remember that incident with Fletcher and Valdez, Pennywise oh, and Blink? Sh- sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how they reflect on it now? You know, I I haven't talked to those guys about King of the Hill, dude, in 25 years, except today when I, I hit up Jim. Um, I'm going to actually try to get Jim to do an interview for you. <laughs> that would be great. I'm, I'm going to try to get... Uh, you know, maybe one of these guys that actually went up and they could talk about what it was like playing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was the guy. I was the one that had the, you know, the connections. And Danny hit me up, and we did it two years in a row, and it was so much fun. Um, I'm very grateful I got to do that. What about you? You know, what do you think about that situation when you look back on it? It was just so raw and so cool. And, you know, I don't know if events like that can happen in today's world. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how advanced Alaska's gotten. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I've been to, you know, Park City and, and Mammoth and Tahoe. And, you know, those mountains are so corporate and so bougie mm-hmm. now that, you know, I don't think stuff like that would happen no, nowhere in, at least in the continental United States. Um, maybe still in Alaska, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it was ballsy and really cool. And 
um, you know, they, you, <clears throat> your dad and, and the boys, they, they mastered riding those big mountains and they took it to the competitive level. I mean, it's same kind of thing happened in surfing, mm-hmm. you know, like it it's the same kind of thing. So, um, yeah, you got to give your, you know, tip your hat to those guys. And I don't know what the, what snowboarding in those big mountains are like anymore. I mean, is it still a popular thing? Are they still doing it full steam? I don't really hear much about it. Yeah. Yeah, they do. You know, those, uh, those heli operations are, are still busy. It's just expensive now, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 Those were the good old days, dude. (laughs) So you're in Thompson pass at King of the Hill. Did you have a moment maybe at the top of a mountain or at a party where, you know, you're, you're thinking about how this surfer kid from California, you know, made it all the way out here. Oh yeah. I mean, it really, the, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I actually do remember a moment and, and it wasn't the first trip. I, I, re, I distinctly, it, it was called, uh, where was the run? There was a run where the airplane landed on. I can't remember if it was Dave's run. I don't remember. They all named him after people that obviously kind of went down these runs. There was like Dave's run, Nick's run, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the one run where the plane, and when it took off, I remember I was going down, and it was me, my wife, and Mark Hoppus. And I remember I stopped, and when we stopped snowboarding, we just sat there, and it was dead silent. And I was like, how crazy is this? Like, no one's around. Like, we could die right now, and no one even know where we are. But yet we have this amazing, these amazing conditions. Our boards were a little, we learned the second year to get bigger boards. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I, I was just like, wow, this is cool. That my love for surfing led to punk rock and punk rock led me to snowboarding and doing this. So yeah, it was, you know, when I tell my kids these stories, they look at me and I show them these pictures. I was showing them this morning and they're 21 and 24 and they're just like, wait, what? What did you guys? Wait, that's you? Like, <laughs> they're blown away because, you, you know, they don't know what this is. Helicopters yeah. and and slam pits and some weird convention center where de- they filmed Deadliest Catch. Like, I don't know. <laughs> do you ever get nostalgic for those days? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Wait, you know, when I especially like today when – when I was digging for you, trying to find these pictures, I mean, I found, mm-hmm. I found so many great memories. You know, the same kind of shows I did for your dad, I was doing in, you know, uh, Byron Bay, Australia, and Sebastian Inlet, Florida, or North Shore of Oahu. You know, um, I did the same style shows, whether it was surfing, skateboarding, or snowboarding. Mm-hmm. I do them in Big Bear. Um, yeah, I that was just my deal. I, I kind of found my niche of being the action sports dude who did all three, who, who surfed, skated, and snowboarded. And I brought my bands in that whole world. I was the one guy that was doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was really lucky. I was at the right place at the right time. I don't even, I, I you know, I just, I pinched myself. But it was... You know, I just followed a passion, and that was really how I got to all these places. And I'm still getting to do stuff like this to this very day, dude. It's, it's, it's nuts where passion will take you. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I watched this movie, Momentum Generation, the other night yes. about Kelly Slater's crew, and I think it was really reminiscent of so many crews back then, you know, with the camaraderie and shit talking to each other. Yes. Yeah, the Momentum Generation. So that was me. You know, I promoted Momentum 2 and all of Taylor's movies. And okay. I actually provided a bunch of photos for that documentary. Um, I was, yeah, that was that was our world. And I was the guy that threw the, threw the parties that were also known as tours. Mm-hmm. They were just parties. Like we, I, I'd get the, you know, we would jump in a van with, you know, Kelly Slater and Tommy Curran and, and Pennywise and Unwritten Law and Blink and we'd tour Florida. Mm-hmm. We'd just fly to Florida just to tour Florida. Yeah. Because there was surf there. And driving around sitting in the back of a van with Kelly when he was dating Pamela Anderson mm-hmm. and telling us some pretty crazy stories. <laughs> Any stories that you'd feel comfortable sharing? Oh, no. Can't tell those stories. <laughs> Can't tell those stories. No. There were. What do you think there were? There were a kid who was on Baywatch dating one of the hottest playmates. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly got around. He was, he was a legend. He still is. He's yeah. Freaking yeah. surfing the pipe masters like next week. And he won it last year. He's, he'll be, he's 50 years old. I mean, yeah. Dude's a legend. Yeah. He's a goat. And, um, yeah, so it was just really neat, my love for all this stuff, how it got me to meet guys like your dad and Rob Morrow and, you know, and Dave Downing and Shannon and, you know, the Burton people. And um, I don't know. It's really cool. I, I actually need to get some snowboard. I get a snowboard from Dave. And, I mean, the snowboarding has been so great this year. But, dude, I get so cold now, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I just like that. And that's what I was telling your dad. I'm like, he's like, he told me he hasn't been snowboarding much. And I go, but we've had like the most amazing winter ever. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, he's all, but you get it, right? Like we're sitting under a Palapa three weeks ago during the worst, like wettest winter in California, for cold, freezing. And it's like 85 degree water, yeah. 85 degree air. And I'm like, yeah, warm is better. <laughs> did you guys go surf together? I I did not get to surf with him. Okay. Um, he, he, he lives... You know, you know where he lives, um, where his house is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, we didn't link up. I, I had only a few days left on my trip, but I'm gonna, well, we're going to hook up. He's there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when he started to switch over to surfing and it just became kind of his new obsession and oh, yeah. how he is with anything, you know, he's going to drop fully into it. He did, and you know that new boat he has. Mm-hmm. Like that's a full commitment. I know how expensive those boats are, and what he did at Sorset out in New Orleans, I think it was. Um, that's how I reconnected with your dad. Funny enough, you and I are talking here because I'm a Delta geek, and I found your dad on a Delta forum somehow. His boat, and I, I, I'm like, is that the same guy? Alaska Surf Charters, and and. I just hit him up like, uh, I think in January of 22 and he hit me up and we started talking and we were talking about deltas and, um, and now, you know, and then I connected with him, uh, over new year's here yeah. and now you and I are talking on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's wild. It's the universe, man. I know. I, 
I'm so excited to tell Todd Richards that I did this a, a snowboard podcast. You know, what's funny is I have actually been trying to get Todd on. He said he would do it. Uh, we just kind of like um, things just kind of evaporated with, you know, getting busy. Well, I will get it done. I'm going to comedy night with him Friday night. So oh, right on. Um, he, he and I, we go on surf trips all the time. It, and it's so funny because, y- you know, we hang out as surfers <laughs> and he's, you know, he's a famous snowboarder. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's legit, right? He's a commentator for the Olympics. He's got the Monday mass. He's mm-hmm. team Quicksilver manager, team manager. But to me, he's Todd. And I go, Todd, don't you think it's kind of funny that I never, you know, talk to you about snowboarding? He's all, I love it. <laughs> I feel like people who do sports professionally, they love not talking about it. It's true. It, it really is true. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, he. I'll, I'll get him on for sure. I'll get him on. You know, I, I wonder what it's like for you nowadays to get out there and surf, you know, doing it for fun. Yeah. And it's something that you've grown up doing for so long. Surfing. I have to go every day. I, I will, I'll go out if it's one foot and I'll go out if it's, you know, double overhead, um, depending on the wave, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I mean, it'd be no different, really, if I lived up in Tahoe, you know, I'd probably go snowboarding every day. Um, it's just easy. You know, you saw your wets. I live right at the beach here in Encinitas, and I just run out and go catch some waves and, and you know, go out for a half hour, an hour, surf with some friends. And I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's just this thing that I've got to do every day. Otherwise, I can't get my day going. It's bizarre. It's easier than snowboarding because... I can just jump in the water and be done in one hour or half hour. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I run out and go out right before dark, but there's just something about that connection of, you know, jumping in the ocean. And, um, I don't know, it, it like Billabong said back in the eighties, you know, only a surfer knows the feeling. It, it really is kind of true. I wonder if you have a, like a process or something that you do. I don't know, like every single time you go out, whether it's, you know, stopping to just look at the horizon or the waves and then jumping in, maybe like a ritual, I guess is what I'm getting to. Yeah. Well, my ritual is I go in my room, grab my wetsuit. I say, Alexa, play The Offspring. Okay. Yeah. Or, or Alexa, play Pennywise. I literally listen to The Offspring and Pennywise every time right before I go surfing or no effects. Those are my three go-tos. Yeah. I do my stretches, suit up run out. I always try to get one of my kids to go with me, but surfing with dad's not that cool anymore. Um, <laughs> and then I run down, I hold my board a certain way. I look at, I, I, I see guys and I go, Oh, freaking kooks. So many kooks. <laughs> I think every single day, um, I run down the stairs. I look and uh, okay. I always look to the right, see if there's a little sandbar working there. And I look out and I go, don't count, don't count how many guys are out. You're just going to get frustrated. And, and and then I I uh, I suit up, paddle out, little cocky cocky paddle, and <laughs> like, <laughs> let everyone know that this is my home spot, and I'm gonna yeah. try to get the best waves out here. <laughs> and then I uh, go in and t- and get on Zoom calls and talk about making records and touring. Yeah, 
Oh man, that, that is awesome that you listen <laughs> to, I mean, the whole process is awesome, but you know, what you start off with is, you know, listening to the bands that you simultaneously like managed and you also loved, but to yes. me, there's like so much psychology involved in that. You know, it's, it's nostalgic. It's, uh, it's getting you pumped for yes. going out and doing this thing that you've loved for so long. Yeah, it, it really is. And it, and that's exactly what my routine is. And, um, you know, I don't know if everyone does that, <clears throat> but I do, I live right at the beach. So I, I don't really drive to surf. I just, I surf my spot out front and, and, uh, that's kind of my routine. I love it. And today I didn't get to do it cause I had way too many zoom calls. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the waves look fun too. Did you have a crew that you grew up with? Yeah, I had a, it, it, all of us, we hung out at Malibu third point and, uh, those were all my boys like um that we you know we just we surfed malibu religiously my dad grew up surfing you know he was old school malibu surfer and um we just all the guys that i went to high school with and all the you know all the kids at the point um yeah and you know some some kind of got out of surfing some moved some died um when i was going through that photo those photo albums for you today dude i was tripped out on how many people have died in these pictures that kind of tripped me out today. Um, but yeah, I had a crew and, you know, we kind of, you know, my career took off and I moved to San Diego when I was like 18 or 19 and I never came back. I never went back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, waves are just way too, way better in San Diego. Um, but yeah, and I still stay connected with some of those guys. And, you know, a lot of those pictures I was looking at were the Incubus guys. And I just got off tour with them. I managed a band called the Aqua Dolls. And we just toured all summer with Incubus and Sublime with Rome. And it was great being out on the road, like reminiscing on those days, hanging out at the point. And, and so today when I was going through all these pictures, sure enough, there's Mikey and Jose and Brandon from Incubus. We're all hanging out at all my shows that are sponsored by Moro, you know, like when Incubus was small. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was looking at flyers of shows I promoted and they were the opening band, you know. Um, it was really cool. I, yeah. So, but you know, we're all older now and have kids and some of those kids have kids and yeah, times are changing. You know, I want to ask a question and, you know, feel free to not answer it if it's too personal, but earlier when you're going through these photos and, you know, you're crossing past photos or you're flipping past photos and, and, and people have passed away. What's that like? Ah, oh, it's a bummer. Um, um, you know, I saw one picture of this kid, Pete, um, Pete Johnson. And, you know, he, he was part of the crew. We all hung out with him. He surfed and stuff. And, you know, he had a tragic death. He fell out of a, like a 20 story window. Mm. in downtown LA. And, and then I was like, oh my gosh, it kind of made me think of Petey. And then this, this other guy, Matt Campbell, and he was, he, he, I saw his face today and um, he died. He ended up having a, like a brain tumor, you know, it's like something like that. Yeah. And there was just other ones. And, you know, I just, I just sit here and just go, geez, man, like I'm so lucky I'm still here and I, and I have good health and I, and I get the, still do all these things. Um, how old are you, Cody? 
35. Yeah, 35. So, you know, it, it, it's weird. Like, I mean, I'm sure now maybe you're starting to kind of trip out on some of the stuff, but yeah, you know, dude, I mean, I'm sitting here with your dad and he's, he's like so pumped up and you know, how old is your dad? Like he's 65. 65. Yeah. And he's living the life. He, you know, he did say, you know, like they're going to slow down. And he was trying to sell me his boat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, hold on a second. I'll just pull $800,000 out of my butt real quick. (laughs) Sounds like him. (laughs) Just always the salesman. Yeah. Um, Although I really want him all. Do you have like a 50 year payoff plan? Um, But uh, yeah, man, it was, you know, it's sad seeing that. yeah. And we're just we're just really lucky uh that we're still here and I'm still you know sitting here talking to Jimmy Lindbergh while he's in Europe about a snowboard trip we did, you know, 30 years ago whatever it was and um from Pennywise and I don't know, we're really lucky and I just I for me, I just have had the most amazing career. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I it only felt like work during one portion of Blink's career where it really felt like, oh boy, it's just getting harder. And, you know, it was right before they broke up the first time when things got a little nuts. But mm-hmm. um, prior to that and now after that, right now, like, I just feel like it's just all passion, you know? Like, I don't know, looking at these pictures, it makes me want to put a snowboarding event together. <laughs> that would be awesome, yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, really lucky and... Just be thankful every day, man. <laughs> I I swear, just, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've had a few friends pass away, and I always think that that juxtaposition of living so freely, you know, way back when, when, you know, we're all snowboarding, and that's the only thing that mattered. Um, and then, you know, fast-forwarding however many years, and, you know, we have adult jobs and you know we are now a part of you know this the machine the cog you know we're a cog in the machine and you know we're helping society run and things maybe not for everybody but i guess if you look at it kind of bleakly it's like things just kind of petered out yeah yeah, it, I know everyone had, you know, so many things took a different path, you know, like whether alcohol got really involved. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm around an industry where, you know, you kind of got, if you're on tour, you're drinking every night, you know, or the artists, you know, and yeah. there's not too many sober. I mean, Billy Joe had to go to rehab and he played sober for a long time, but I hear he's drinking again and mm. from Green Day. Um, you know, I don't know, man, like we were living living fast and we were pushing the limits right i mean imagine see like i felt so lucky because you're like snowboarding meant so much to you right well Mm -hmm. i was snowboarding meant so much to me surfing meant so much to me Mm -hmm. skateboarding meant so much to me so like i was just i couldn't get enough of all of it and living in Southern California and having the action, the ASR shows, action sports retailer shows and shooting at the Vegas for SIA for the snow shows, it, we were in the Mecca, you, you know? And so I look back at these photos and go, wow, we, we, we were very lucky and to be alive still and, you know, that we didn't die doing it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, kind of does hit home a little bit. 
do you ever talk to your son about being mindful about how he treats his body? Yeah, you know, um, my older son is he he's uh, told he's one of the best freedivers in the United States. Hmm. And I can say that because he's on the Rife team, which is like if you're a snowboarder, I, I guess back in the day, if you're on Burton or, you know, he was, yeah. it's, it's, it's for spearfishing. Um, he physically is, he's a machine. I mean, he works two, out two hours a day. He dives down to like depths of 100 feet and hunts and you, you got to be on your game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I've always taught my kids when they were younger, you know, just like drugs and, you know, are so bad. Now, Alcohol is different. You know, it's like it's so accepted and yet it's such a dark, slow, mm-hmm. slow one that can creep up on you. And insidious. It's it is really scary. Um, so I would say as a parent, my kids, you know, I'm not really worried that I don't think my kids have, you know, they, they're from least from what I know, uh, drugs aren't a problem. I do f- compete with the alcohol thing. You, you know, like I, I have to fight. Because everyone drinks. It's like, hey, let's go get a drink. Let's go here. Let's go here. Let's mm-hmm. have some beers with the boys. And, and that stuff, it just gets harder and harder and harder. And I just found out today, one of my friends, he had a liver transplant because it failed. And he kept drinking, and now he needs another one. Jeez. And I'm just like, come on, dude. And this is one of the guys I grew up with in Malibu. And, you know, it's you just got to do everything, you know, you know, in reason, right? Like, yeah, I don't know, but yes, I try to parent, and but they're good kids, and they're all they all have career paths. So I'm I'm really lucky, and they love to surf and fish and dive, and they like snowboarding, and and they get it, they get it. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the key is keep them busy. Yeah, keep them keep them passionate. Keep yeah, them bi- like keep them passionately busy. That's it. I swear. I, I homeschooled all my kids and I just, we were constantly doing stuff that was, let's go, let's go tuna fishing. Let's get in the boat. Let's go to Fiji. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go surf. Let's go up down to Baja. <clears throat> and, and I got them so passionate about that stuff. And I was lucky, you know, and we didn't have time for all those like stupid kids that are trying to be the cool kids at school. We didn't care. Um, so, and that's where a lot of the drugs really sneak in. I mean, to our area, man, we've had some bad situations. Some of these kids recently, last few years, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of deaths because of all that stuff that's in it. Fentanyl. The fentanyl is an issue, and we live so close to Mexico. Yeah, you know, there's bre- there's brewing that shit up right across the border. Yeah, that stuff is dangerous. It's in everything. Yeah, yeah. So keep them passionate, keep a snowboard on their feet, keep a surfboard under their feet, you know, or mm-hmm. skateboard and mm-hmm. you know, pick up a guitar, or drum kit. That's my advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's good advice. <laughs> Earlier you mentioned that you manage a band called Aqua Dolls. Yeah. What does that look like? The Aqua Dolls are a three piece female band from Orange County. And, uh, I started, uh, I started managing them about three and a half years ago. And, um, I was really on the hunt for the next Go-Go's. Okay. And 
my daughter asked if she can get into my business, which I was like, whoa. She was like a full accredited yogi, got real famous in the yogi space. At 12 years old, she was on Good Morning America and everything. She was the youngest yogi in the United States, taught all over the world. Huh. And and she comes to me and, go, and goes, hey, I want to do your business. And I was like, rad, okay, well, this is right when I literally parted ways with my with my last Blink-182 guy. Mm-hmm. So I went out, found this band, the Aquadals, and showed my buddies. My one buddy, he manages Pearl Jam. His name's Smitty. I he was he used to be play shows with the Go Go's, and he knew it. And so I I told him, painted my whole story. And three and a half years later, the band's played Lollapalooza, just toured with Incubus. Um, we did Austin City Limits Festival. Eddie Vedder's put it us on Ohana Fest, and we have a new record coming out this year. Uh, the producer, the Goo Goo Dolls, produced it, and there's an awesome surf guitar, mermaid punk vibe band. They're awesome, real, real fun to listen to. And I also managed another band called Sitting on Stacy, and they're they have an interesting story because they were signed by Joe Jonas of the Jonas Brothers. Huh. And um. That was really interesting, and I started managing them, and I went on tour with the Jonas Brothers and sitting on Stacy in Mexico in September. <laughs> what was that like? Crazy, dude. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Four crazy shows with the Jonas Brothers. Um, like, literally machine gun guarded girl, like the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would imagine. And uh, we were getting the runoff. We were getting the runoff from it, so it was great. Uh, I love my job. I love managing bands, and um, and um, now I'm going to start producing some TV shows down here at Loft 100, which I'm talking to you from here in Carlsbad. Okay. And uh, and I'm going to manage my buddy Sully's band. It's a ten piece band full of old dudes, <laughs> and, but they're really good. They're like a house band, yeah. and uh, they're I don't know. It's fun and. They're letting me produce TV shows, and he wanted me to do this podcast here. And I just did a documentary for Netflix last week on punk rock, and here, and, and so I don't know. Like my career keeps going. I'm super stoked. Um, you never know. I might be knocking on your door doing a some kind of a snowboarding thing. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that there's any secret or magic formula to you know you staying interested? in in all this stuff um i I don't know if it's a formula i'm just so passionate about these things Mm -hmm. and you know when when blink 182 and i um parted ways i i i I could sit there and either be like you know because that was like my identity for like 20 years Mm -hmm. and i just had to i went on a surf trip in october with all my buddies my friend Paul Gomez, he almost died on a surf trip. I, we did a we did a trip down there, the Solidita, and he almost died on his quad. And I was down there with Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters and a bunch of my other buddies. And and he and he literally he we think he died twice in our arms. And mm. and you know his family's crying to me on the phone. It was just so horrible, and it just made me really focus and like I can't worry about that blink I'm not managing blink anymore. I I've got to mm-hmm. go and create it and and take all that passion I had at the King of the Hill or all these other things that I did and and I got to just reinvent it. And I sat down in October 
I hired a resume company. Okay. <laughs> I've been putting a resume together since I was like in high school. And I wrote down, and what it did is it, it, it allowed me to see all these amazing accomplishments I did. And it allowed me to be really proud of myself. Mm-hmm. And I made a list. I, I wrote down what I'm really good at, and that's promoting shows, managing bands. Um, and I wrote a list of all these people I knew. And I just kept calling them, taking lunches with them until I, I landed a job four weeks later. Mm-hmm. So, and they allowed me, my new job allows me to come in here and talk to you and manage the Aqua Dolls and sitting on Stacy and do all the, and produce these TV shows, which I'm really excited about. So, you know, I just, I'm proud of what I did and I give gratitude. I don't, I don't bitch and say, oh, I could have, you know, that's so lame, this, blah, blah. I'm just like, no, I'm grateful for the opportunities to go to King of the Hill. Yeah. The opportunities to go and drive around in vans with Kelly Slater and, in in you know, play shows in London and Japan and, mm-hmm. you know, it's that I'm celebrating it and I'm just so grateful. And that's how I looked at everything. And that's where I am here today. Yeah, that's great. What do you think the Aqua Dolls and sitting on Stacy would think about Valdez? Um, the Aqua Dolls would trip. <laughs> Definitely. They would trip out in a good way. <clears throat> they would trip. Yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> they don't do anything except play music and drink coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, actually, and and DJ raves. Okay. Um, sitting on Stacy grew up in the kind of like the skateboarding culture and and stuff. So I think they'd be really stoked. But our singer would probably be super scared to go snowboarding because he'd break his wrist. <laughs> you know, like his guitar. You know. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so I think they'd get up there if it's, you know, I think I'd get on snowboard. I think we'd do it. I think sitting out Stacy would get it more than the Aquadals would, although the Aquadals understand. I actually, uh, Burton put the Aquadals in a song last year. Huh. Okay. And, and yeah. So see, I'm still working it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I still feel it's valuable to put my band's music in snowboard films. And Dave and the Burton guys reached out and they, they did it. And it was really cool. I never went to the premiere or saw it, but, um, and then I also had Aquadol's song in this kid, Lucas Ostin. He's a, he's a up and coming pro surfer. Mm-hmm. And, um, he put an Aquadol song in and asked if they could play his premiere. So they played a surf movie premiere. So I'm doing the same formula, Cody. I, I'm doing everything the same. Except I'm not going around flyering with paper, <laughs> but it, I'm 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 doing it kind of the same. Yeah. And my love and affiliation for snow skate and surf is still just as strong as it was, you know, then as it is now. Hmm. So you have a place in Mexico now. Yes. Is that where you go on vacation? Yes. What's your favorite part about being there in Mexico? Oh man, you know, I, I surfing with my kids, I, I value it so much. So mm-hmm. like you dads out there, if you can go snowboarding, you know, and your kids are 10 and you're going riding with your kids, like, you know, take as many pictures because it, it goes so fast. Mm-hmm. And that's my favorite to watch my, my boys dropping in and 
bottom tree and blasting a big frontside air reverse, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's so sick. And I get all geeked out. That was so sick. And they're just like, cool, dad, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> but it means a lot to me. And yeah, um, being down there with my friends and, you know, just hanging more quality time with my wife and the weather's so nice there this time of the year. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty magical spot. La Solidita. It's very good surf surf scene happening there. Yeah. Well, Rick, that does it for my questions, man. You know, I want to thank <laughs> you for spending this time with me Yeah, and, and also letting me listen in, you know, to you reminiscing about, I mean, what a, what a great life you've had and continue to have. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate you when you, when you reached out, I was so stoked. I was like, yeah, let's talk about snowboarding and punk rock. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and shout out to my dad because yeah. after you and him, you and him like kind of met up and chatted. He texted yeah, we reconnected. me. He, my dad texted me and he was like, Hey, this guy, Rick has some great stories. He brought Blink-182 offspring. Um, and and Pennywise up to King of the Hill. You should get him on an episode. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was really neat connecting with him. And I will find him, and we're gonna go surfing. And I promised him a couple rides on the jet ski, do some step off. So right on. Get him on one. And if you come down there, man, like you just hit me up. Now we're now we're now we're homies. Yeah, we're buds. And uh, you know, I'd love to you know take you surfing and come down there and um. Man, so right on, Cody. This has been really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Oh man, I I just really thankful to you know all the bands that have given me the trusted me and let me manage their careers if they ever end up hearing this. And um, you know, very grateful to Pennywise and Blink Eyes and Epitaph and Moro, your dad and everybody. Uh, you know, for believing in what I did and Dan Egan for connecting me with King of the Hill. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash crude magazine. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. 